Welcome to evening worship here at Broadway Baptist Church. We're so glad you and your family are able to tune in and certainly be a part of worshiping the Lord. Go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27. We are going through a sermon series called Church on Fire, and we are at the next to last chapter. There's 28 chapters in the uh, Acts of the Apostles, and here we are in chapter 27. This is one where Paul is finally getting to sail to Rome. And something miraculous happens, something occurs where we see the wisdom of this man. Paul's in later years in life, and there's going to be a shipwreck that's going to occur, but the entire time, God is certainly at work. And that's what we're going to be able to see. But before we open our, before we begin to read the scripture, we've got a lot of scripture tonight, a little bit more than normal, so it's important for you to take the time to go ahead and grab your own Bible and follow along. That way you can... Uh, see what's uh, occurring and reading it for yourself. I have a map up here on the screen. I'd like for you to take a look at this map because you need to know where, uh, where, where Paul's going. This is the route he takes uh, to get to Rome. Okay, Rome is right here. This is where he's headed. Now remember, why are we going to Rome? Because Paul appealed he was a Roman c a citizen and he was there in Caesarea. Right here, this is where he started. He had been in prison for two years, and this is the route he's going to take. He's going to go up and hit these uh, seaport towns, hit the island of Crete. But when he's here on Malta, this is where the shipwreck occurs, right here. So when you find here about towards the end, when we find out about the shipwreck, he's out here in the Mediterranean, and they had a, a wreck, and then he then goes on in into Italy. Uh, uh, from that. So that's how Paul gets to Rome. And he does it uh, via a ship. We have to remember, too, Paul, he has had a lot of experience sailing and being a sailor because he's gone on many missionary journeys, three lengthy missionary journeys, and you've been in the water every time. So he knows what it's like to be aboard a boat. So let's go ahead and get started here. Acts chapter 27. Verse 1. I want you to follow along here in your Bibles. When it was decided that we were to sail to Italy, they handed over Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion named Julius. That's important. That's the Roman centurion Julius. He's going to be with us on this trip the entire time. Of the Imperial Regiment. When we had boarded a ship of... Adarathom, we put it out to sea, intending to sail to ports along the coast of Asia, Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. So we, we've got this guy in Aristus. We're going to stop by these little coastal towns along the way. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius, that's the, the leader of the ship, the Roman centurion, treated Paul kindly and allowed him to go to his friends and receive their care. When we have put out to sea from there, we sailed along the northern coast of Cyprus because the winds were against us. After sailing through the open sea off uh, Sicilia and Pamphylia, we reached Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. Sailing slowly for many days with difficulty, we arrived off Sidness. Since the wind did not allow us to approach it, we sailed along the south side of Crete off of Salmon. 
With still more difficulty, we sailed along the coast and came to a place called Fairhaven near the city of Lestra. So basically, Paul is tracing. These are, the, these are the little towns and villages. The seaports were stopping along the way. And the whole time, you notice, we've got, it's very windy. We've got ship, fair, ship problems so because of the weather. And God's going to use this weather for something great. By now, much time had passed, and the voyage was already dangerous. Since the Day of Atonement, so by this point, they're getting into, Day of Atonement would be September. It's starting to turn fall, meaning it's starting to get, um, the, the seasons are starting to change. You wouldn't sail in the open. You have to remember, too, their ships were not like our ships. These are wooden ships that didn't quite have the navigational tools and abilities that our ships today so it's getting dangerous since the day of atonement was already over so we're we're in the late september maybe early october paul gave his advice and told the men i can see that this voyage is headed towards disaster and heavy loss not only of the cargo and ship but also of our lives but the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than to what paul had to say since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete facing the southwest and northwest, and to winter there. So they're going to tr keep trying to push on to go to Rome, and Paul is warning them, says, guys, I've sailed a lot, and I've, I have uh, experienced... Um, Three shipwrecks. I have been on multiple missionary journeys. I've traveled all of this region and area preaching the good news of Jesus. We don't sell this late in the season. Like this is not healthy. You sell in the spring and summer when it's more manageable weather. But they've decided they're going to press on. Have you ever been with somebody, a driver of a car, and they are just determined not to stop? They're just going to keep moving. And that's what is going on here. The, the owner of the ship, they're like, no, just get, get, get back out to sea. We've got work to do. Don't worry about the weather. We've got places we need to be. So here comes the storm. We're now going from Crete. We're going to really get out in the open Mediterranean Ocean. But remember, remember what Paul has said. He has warned them. Guys, you need to be cautious. It's not that Paul wanted to run away or escape. He's just saying, your lives are at danger too. I mean, this, is, uh, this could be dangerous. All right, verse 13. So here comes the storm. When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But before long, a fierce wind called the Northeaster, rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught and unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Meaning they just pulled up anchor, took down sails, and just wherever the boat went is where they went. They couldn't, they couldn't fight against the Northeaster wind. After running along the shelter of a little island called Kada, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. Fearing that they would run 
aground on the Citers, they lowered the drift anchor, and this way they were driven along. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, meaning it's just pushing them along, so they dropped the anchor to slow down the movement of the boat. So the anchor is just in the sea, you're floating along you know, 100, 200 feet below, while the ship's just, just going wherever because the weather's so bad. They're in the storm. And I think what's powerful about that, the way this story started, it says when this gentle south wind came up. So they woke up one day and realized, look, this is perfectly good weather. There's no reason for us to be harboring here in this middle of nowhere Crete, just pull the anchor up, nice weather, we're just going to keep on trucking. But they left on good weather, but we all know weather changes quickly, so they start getting out several hours, a day or two, and next thing you know, things changed. And they certainly did change, and that's where we're at here. Verse 17. Actually, I think we're on verse uh, 18. Verse 18. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. So they're realizing our, our boat's not going to make it. So they're throwing over cargo. And we remember the Old Testament story of Jonah. What happened? Jonah found himself in the same situation. He's on a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. And a great storm came about. The sailors didn't want to kill Jonah. He even offered, hey, just throw me overboard. But they began to throw over the cargo to lighten the load of the ship. And then it says, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Verse 20. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope was fading that they would be saved. Verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, now here's a prophecy. You men should have followed my advice. Don't you love it when you ask someone and tell someone what to do, and they remind you, by the way, you did not listen to me. I warned you about this. I told you this was going to happen. You, did not show, you should have followed my advice and not sell from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Like, guys, we did not have to go through this. Now you've lost all your cargo, your boat's beat up, you're fighting for your life. Verse 22. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives but only the ship. ship. Paul is making a prophecy. You know, at this point, remember, Julius the centurion is there. He's the Roman official who's kind of making sure this transport of prisoners is going to occur. And he's realizing, you know, Paul was right. Paul warned us about this, and we've had great loss. The ship's getting beat up. There's, we've gotten rid of all of our belongings now. I should have listened to this man. But then he, a prophecy, he's sharing about what God has spoken to him. For verse 23. For last night, back this last verse, for last night an angel of the God of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. 
It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. God appeared to Paul at night and said, Paul, I know you're worried. I know you're fearful. I know you have all this uncertainty of the coronavirus and churches being shut down, businesses being shut down, all of these problems around us. But I am standing next to you, reassuring you, reassuring you, Christian, that your life is not going to be lost. In fact, even those who are on the ship with you, your family, your friends, your acquaintances, they will be there too. And that is the reassurance that God gives us. And I think for us, what's happening here is in verse 25, he says, take courage, men, because I believe God, believe God that it will just be the way it was told to me. He's encouraging these people. He's the prisoner. They're in charge. It's their ship. It's the Roman centurion to take courage. Because Paul knows these guys are fearful. We're in the middle of the Mediterranean. Nobody knows where we're at. We're just fighting for our life. And at any moment it could end. Verse 26. But we have to run aground on some island. It's a prophecy. He's telling you you're going to have a wreck. Verse 27. When the 14th night came, we were drifting in the Adriatic Sea. And about midnight, the sailors thought they were approaching land. Because they're doing depth checks. And they're noticing, okay, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's getting shallow. The land's getting, it's getting shallower. Verse 28. They took surroundings and found it to be 120 feet deep. When they had sailed a little farther... And sounded again, they found it to be 90 feet deep. So here we are, and we're noticing it's getting, it's getting less. It's 120 feet, it's 90 feet. We are getting close to land. There's going to be an island. It's the middle of the night, so you can't see, obviously, at all. But we know something's about to happen. Verse 30. Or, I'm sorry, verse, verse 29. Then, fearing that we might run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. So they're trying to slow down, worried the ship, this is all they have, is going to crash onto some island somewhere in the middle of the ocean. Some sailors tried to escape from the ship. They had let down the skiff into the sea, pretending that they were going to put out anchors from the boat. Verse 31. Paul said to the centurion and soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be safe. So remember, this is a prison transport ship. And these other sailors there, they are just like, we're getting off this ship. This is tragic. So they're going to pretend like we're going to put down the little ship and maybe sail in and drop these anchors. And they're trying to escape. And Paul's saying, hey, look, if these guys run away, in this storm, and you have no clue where you're at, we need each other at this point. If you don't rely and listen to what I'm saying, these guys will die. And he's telling this to Centurion because ultimately Centurion's 
gives an account for the life. And I think the principle for us is Paul knows the power of unity, of keeping this little group. Even though it's this ragtag group of folks, this is, they have to rely upon each other to, you know, to get to Rome, considering it's winter, and they shouldn't even be out there anyway, leaving that late. And I think the biblical principle for us, and what's important for us, is the power of unity. When folks have a common vision, when folks have a common goal, and they know where they're going, if they work together, it gets there. But you have groups over here trying to leave. You've got folks over here who are complaining. And they're just like, I'm getting out of here. I'll abandon ship. If your life is filled with folks constantly, if you are abandoning ship over and over again, you just make it. I mean, this is what happens to marriages. People abandon marriages. They abandon church. They abandon their devotional life. It's a life of abandonment. They abandon their kids. I mean, everywhere you go, it's just abandonment. And I think what is, is that's the quitter culture that we're in. It's people start stuff and they don't finish it. And God is speaking to you and I, and he's saying, you don't need to be somebody who's abandoning ship. You don't need to be this person who's just start something and then for whatever reason you quit. And I think that the, the, uh, we're going to see that uh, Julius here, the Roman centurion, he's going to realize Paul knows what he's talking about. All right, verse 32. Then the soldiers cut the ropes holding the skiff and let it drop away. So they listened to Paul finally said, we're not going to let you get away. Verse 33. When it was about daylight, Paul urged them to take all the food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have been waiting and going without food, having eaten nothing. So obviously they're starving. They're struggling here. So I urge you to take some food, for this is... For your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. Paul is confident in the Lord. He knows good things are going to happen. God will save and preserve their life. Verse 35. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all them. And he broke it, and he began to eat. So here we are in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. We're about to be shipwrecked. You're on a prison transport ship, and we're about to eat some food. Last time we're going to eat for a while. And Paul is saying a blessing for his food. He's becoming the leader of the ship. People are realizing Paul knows what he's talking about. Paul's wisdom, we should have listened to him, the man has been in shipwrecks before. He's been a sailor before. He's just, he, he has a lot of wisdom and knowledge. It's not foolishness. Verse 36. They were all encouraged and took food for themselves. They're, st- they're obviously hungry. Verse 37. In all, there were 276 of us on the ship. So that's a lot of folks on the ship. It's, we've got a lot of folks. Well, they'd eaten enough. They began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but sighted a bay with a beach. They planned to run the ship ashore if they could. Verse 40. After cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed for the beach. But they struck a sandbar and ran the ship aground. 
The boat jammed fast and remained immovable while the stern began to break up by the pounding of the waves. So obviously the boat comes in and then all of a sudden what happened is waves started crashing against it and started pounding and beating the boat. So now as they've, you know, they're on a beach and the waves are just destroying their little boat. It's immovable. They're stuck on a sandbar. They've run aground. Verse 42. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners so that no, no one could swim away and escape. You know, they're in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. I don't know where they think they're going to swim to. So they just thought, okay, these are the prisoners. Let's just kill them. Verse 43. But remember what Paul had said. He had promised them none of them would die. That was a prophecy. The Lord appeared to him and gave him reassurance that God was going to protect them, just like he reassures you and I. But the centurion, remember who's the centurion? His name's Julius. The centurion kept them from carrying out their plan. Why? Because he wanted to save Paul. And so he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. So now we've got this instruction here. It says, hey, if you're able to get to land, you just go ahead and get they're going to this little island in the middle of the Mediterranean called Malta. And the centurion, I believe, listened to Paul the second time because he realized Paul was right. Paul knew what he was talking about. A lot of times, what wins people over is our integrity. What gets people to respect us is that we trust in the Lord. We know what we're talking about. And our life is led by the Lord. The centurion is realizing that with Paul. The rest were to follow. Some on planks and some on debris from the ship. In this way, everyone reached the shore. So we have just shipwrecked. We've just went through this entire chapter here. All 44 verses. They're on this island called Malta. So what do we see in Paul? This is the main points. Here's your takeaways. From this Sunday night message, I want you to get this. Look at this. What do we see in Paul? Because I think there's principles for us from this long chapter here. Setting up for Paul. Finally, God wanted Paul to appear before Caesar. And he's going to. Paul was a man of spiritual depth and practical wisdom. I think that is what he was missing today. Spiritual depth. He had a passion for the scriptures. He had a passion for knowing the Lord. He loved the Lord. He had a closeness with the Lord. But not only that, he had a spiritual depth. He also had a practical wisdom. A practical wisdom means he knew, guys, we should not be selling. You know, there's certain times, certain places you just shouldn't be around at night. You just shouldn't be out. It's just not wise maybe to go somewhere alone in dangerous areas by yourself. You just don't want to do that. You know, have you ever heard the slogan said, nothing good ever happens after midnight? I mean, after midnight, folks might be leaving bars. I think bars are closed right now. But if they were open, folks are leaving a bar at one or two in the morning. You have drunk drivers on the road. You have people who have ulterior motives. They have motives of crime and anger. It's just not a, a pure time. And that's what we see here. Paul was someone who had the depth, the spiritual depth, and he also had the practical wisdom. That is great insight for us about Paul. Not only that, 
we see about Paul, he's a man who maintains his testimony amidst difficult situations. It's a tough time right now. The ship is being wrecked. People are fearful. They're going to try to escape. We're just going to kill the prisoners. But Paul, he maintained his testimony. Meaning, he never abandoned his love for the Lord. He never abandoned his faith in God. Tough times, just like we talked about on Wednesday night. You can go back and listen to it. Is when we're being refined by the fire. God allows us through tough times of of trials and testing for the purpose to deepen and sharpen our faith. What trial is God allowing you to go through? How is God allowing this period of testing and period of trial to bring you closer to Him? I believe God's plan for you during this quarantine season, soon school will start back later this month, even if it's online in college, for preparation for coming out of this a, cl- a more devout and stronger believer. I want you to think, okay, when did the shutdown start? March 11th. Are you a stronger believer now? Do you have a deeper faith in Christ? Do you know the Lord more than you do on Wednesday, March 11th? And if you say no, God has allowed you to really slip back and fall, fall away somewhat spiritually. God's plan and purpose is to refine us. And he, we, just like Paul, Paul did not lose his testimony. In fact, he, he gained his testimony. Difficult situations, we see what a man is made of. God refines us in the fire. Paul was a man of integrity. His integrity created and allowed spiritual opportunities. And I believe for us, these opportunities come about. I think I have one more quote up here about Julius, up here on the screen. Julius intervened. Now remember, who is Julius? Julius is the Roman centurion. He's over the ship, the 276 people. He intervened because he wanted to save Paul. His respect for Paul had grown, and he believed finally in Paul's prophecy. Paul's integrity, the faith of Paul, allowed him to save all those people's lives. Listen, that whole ship, they would have, those 276 people likely would be dead. But because of the Lord, because of Paul, because of Paul's leadership, they lived. They got to the island, they were able to continue their sail, and God made a provision for them. And I think the principle for us, we are surrounded by Julius's, people who have doubts, but people who notice when our faith does not waver. It doesn't stumble. And this is a period where a Julius could be watching you. A period that God is going to allow something, a shipwreck to happen in your life. And I think for us, you know, we read about shipwreck, and a lot of us are like, Dan, I'm never going to be on a ship. And if I am on a ship, what's the likelihood of it wrecking? Like, you know, nowadays navigation is down to the 
gosh, down to the second. They know where every stone is in the sea. They know exactly the navigational beacons, the channels, and right where a boat needs to be. And I think what we need to see is it might not be a physical ship, but you will have a shipwreck in your life when you get a diagnosis of cancer or your children rebel or poor decisions are made or you bankruptcy or job loss, something happened and you have now a shipwreck. And what needs to happen is that shipwreck doesn't need to make your faith fail. Your shipwreck should not shipwreck your faith. You might have a life event that's been terrible, but it should not cause you as a believer to not to cling and to hold to God's word. God is speaking to you right now. And he's asking you to be rooted on the rock of Jesus. Paul was and Julius took note. This is setting up for next week. Next week is the last chapter of Church on Fire. God is using this man, Paul, of bringing him to appeal before Caesar and get sailed to Rome with the greater purpose, with the mission of continuing to preach the good news. Paul said a blessing and reminded the people there on this boat that he serves the Lord. The Lord is the one who saves. Just like Jonah, God saved Jonah through a fish, when they were throwing him overboard, throwing all the cargo overboard, God saved Paul and all 276 passengers through a shipwreck. None of them died. Now, the boat was destroyed, but they lived. Don't allow the shipwreck in your life to shipwreck your faith. I'm going to lead us in time of prayer. I want you to respond. Maybe your faith has been shipwrecked. Maybe you, you have fallen. Maybe you have made poor decisions or your life circumstances have caused you to begin Plant, plant seeds of doubt. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. If you want to trust in Christ as your Savior, you can respond to the gospel tonight. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have shipwrecked my faith. I want you to restore me. Lord, I trust you. I repent of my sins. God, I'm yours. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for your word. Lord, make me a devout disciple. Jesus, I pray from this day on, I live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. If you pray and ask Jesus into your heart, if you respond to the gospel, I want to hear from you. Send this church Facebook page a message. Reach out to me. Let me know how I can pray for you and let you know how your next steps, how you can continue in your new faith or in your rededicated faith to Christ. God bless you. Thank you for your support for Broadway Baptist Church. Your giving, your support helps our church reach one of the greatest cities in America, Lexington, the capital of the bluegrass, home of Kentucky sports. Might not have sports this fall, but we're the home of it of reaching this city of a great university college town with the gospel. You're giving to a church that we believe in this book. I want you to buy into the mission and the vision of Broadway because why? We follow God's word.
We're a church built on the Bible. Thank you for supporting us. I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday evening. We're going through the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10. I hope to hear from you. I'll see you Wednesday. God bless.